Yo, what's up, guys? How you doing? Happy Friday. Hope everyone's having a great week and uh, looking forward to a great weekend. And for those of us in the United States, it's a holiday weekend, of course. Independence Day is upon us. A lot of you guys, uh, some of you had today off, but a lot of you guys have Monday off. So enjoy that three-day weekend. A lot of you guys spend the time with friends and family. Be safe, have fun, and all that good stuff. So I'll let you guys get up on the chat here. Uh, let me make sure I got everything pulled up. Let's see. Not a whole lot going on this weekend to discuss, but I wanted to start doing these Friday shows, just getting on for maybe like 30 minutes every Friday um, where we could talk about a little bit about, you know, the fights coming up. Obviously, we'll preview what's coming up uh, Saturday. And um, but this week, this week, this Friday, I wanted to talk specifically about uh, some drug testing stuff. Now, I know that some of you guys out there don't give a shit. Some of you guys out there don't care about the drug testing stuff. I get it. Uh, but for those of you who are interested, I'm going to be uh, diving into some of this, specifically the clean boxing program with the WBC, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Before I go into that, I should also note that the um, this week's uh, The Neutral Corner, the audio version a bunch of you guys messaged me and let me know that like 30 minutes of it's cut off the end. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what the hell. I screwed something up somewhere between extracting the audio from the live video and uploading it. I screwed up and chopped off 30 minutes. So I apologize uh, to some of you out there. I think some of your calls got cut off on the audio. If you go to the live video on Ring Digital's YouTube, you'll see the entire episode. It was almost two hours. It's like an hour and 50 minutes or something like that. And like I said, the audio version, like half an hour, got cut off. So operator error, I screwed something up technically on my end. Apologies for that. All right. Luis Vargas in the chat. He says, yo, Michael, shout out from Long Beach. Long Beach, Cali. Man, I haven't been to Long Beach in a minute. Wow. Thanks for watching, brother. Appreciate it, man. I know there's not a whole lot going on this weekend, so... Um, it, I do have the phone lines open if you guys want to call in. I doubt we're going to get anybody calling, but I wanted to jump into, like I said, some drug testing stuff. And if you guys want, we could talk about Colbert Nyambayar too. I'll talk about that for a few minutes and do a quick breakdown. But I like that fight a lot. And I'm actually going to be covering that for ringtv.com. So I'll post a recap up there Saturday night, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, depending on what part of the world you're at. So, um, yeah. Also, uh, well, Luke Vlojak in the chat says, uh, so Nito Casimiro off. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, this is why I want to start doing a Friday show because the time from when I post the neutral corner on Monday to, you know, to the end of the week, things change, you know, things change. In fact, it was the very next day the donors said, Hey, we've had enough of this bullshit with Casimiro's team. Fights off. So so let me tell you guys where it stands right now at this very moment. When I did TNC Monday, the issue holding the fight up between Nonito Donaire, John Rael Casimero was VADA testing. And people on Casimero's team are saying, we're in VADA testing. You know, we're in the clean boxing program. Well, that's not really VADA testing. And I'll explain that. That's what brought up this, this idea of mine to, to really talk about the drug testing stuff this, this Friday. Uh, because there's a lot of questions about it. So um, finally, finally, Monday, when I when I did the neutral corner, Casimiro and his team finally submitted the paperwork to do the full VADA program. So at the time that I recorded, based on everybody I had talked to and everything I had seen at that point, that issue had been resolved. So as I understood it, fight was back on again. Okay? But then what happens, not even 24 hours later, Nonito and Rachel... Uh, really, it was Nonito who, who made the decision that, you know, and I didn't really realize. I mean, I knew some of this was going on, but not to this extent. People in Casimiro's team were saying really, really disgusting things about Rachel. And to the point where Nonito was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not even going to put up with this. Yeah, you guys finally signed on to do VADA. It took you forever to do that. But the disrespect that you showed my wife, I'm not even going to give you a platform. And I'm not going to help you get paid. I think that's ultimately where their stance is. I'm not going to help you get paid, dude, because if I fight you, yeah, I can uh, take it out on you in the ring, but you're still getting paid. And not just the fighter, 
but members of your team, including people that said all sorts of nasty stuff about me, they're going to get paid too. I don't want to help these people get paid. So that, that was it. And Nonito said, uh, no, no fight. So as of now, the fight's off. Sucks. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I don't know if Casimiro will end up fighting somebody else. He was originally supposed to fight Rigondial, remember, on that date, August 14th. Uh, then, you know, then it was Donaire and Casimiro. I don't know. I don't know. Who the hell knows? Maybe they throw Rigondial back in the mix. It, honestly, guys, it's still in that situation, still in flux. Now, the Donaire say fights off, but who knows? Maybe if some extra money's thrown their way, you just never know with these things. I don't even want to say yes, no, or up, down, left, right. As of now, fight is off. Okay, so uh, yeah, that's what's up. That's why I want to start doing uh, these Friday shows. Uh, Gideon in the chat says, is it weird that we have no pay-per-view numbers for Tank Barrios? I'm not surprised. Are you guys surprised? Um, I would say let's wait till next week to see if it drops. And then uh, what if if numbers do drop, I'll let you guys know what the actual real numbers are. Mongolians will invade. Yeah, that crowd is going to be going to be fun at uh, Colbert Nyambayar. That's going to be fun. Great idea with the Friday show. Appreciate that. Chris Berger says, hey, Mike, how you doing, bro? Doing good, man. A little tired. Tough week. A lot of working out this week. But I actually got uh, a DexaFit scan today. I don't know if you guys know what DexaFit scans are. They uh, measure... You could get all sorts of different stuff. But in April, I got like uh, my oxygen levels, CO2 levels, like all this stuff tested. They, they get you on a treadmill. They hook you up to a mask and do all this stuff. Today, I just got like my body fat percentage and um, my lean mass and my fat mass and all that measured. And um, this is all done digitally. It's pretty cool the way they do it. And it's pretty damn accurate. Man, my body fat percentage is down almost 8% from January. It's lower than I thought. I was I was thinking it was going to be about two, three points higher than it really was. I was really surprised. So all the hard work I've been doing is paying off, man. I'm just tired. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take a couple of days off this weekend and chill. Uh, Miri says, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. You think Inouye fight is in the cards now? Yeah, uh, uh, for what it's worth, uh, Bob Arum and everyone at top rank said they're down. So that it could happen. Very, very possibly could happen. Uh, Carlos says no need to as a class act. And if his rival is being a douche, then he has the right to send them to hell. Yeah, man, that's kind of the way I see it. A lot of people are dissing Nonito, saying, uh, you know, settle it in the ring. Okay, yeah. What if he goes in there and beats Casimero? Well, he's still getting Casimero paid. He's helping him and all the people who talk shit about him get paid. So to me, it's it's Nonito's prerogative to say, you know what, go fuck yourself. So I support him either way. I want to see the damn fight. Oh, and I should also mention this. Um you guys, you guys already know I did a, an article on uh, on the Rigondeau or Rigondeau and Casimiro fight. We had to pull that back after deadline for the for the issue for of Ring Magazine, and then I had to edit it last minute. I called Rachel Rachel's phone and and she gave the phone to Nonito, and I talked to him, got some quotes, and got some additional quotes from Sean Gibbons on Casimiro's side when Rigondeau was out. They brought in Donaire. And then we pushed that to print. That was after deadline. A day or two after we get that magazine in the print, this shit drops and the fight's off. So in the next issue of Ring, you're going to see a preview for Donaire Casimero, even though the fight's very likely not going to happen now. So that's just the life of uh, printing a magazine, man. That's, that's just what happens. It sucks. It really sucks. Virtuoso says, I, I think the fight with Rigondi, will be put back on. That would be the ultimate... That would just that would just be insane, dude, because that was my original article. I busted my ass. I, I talked to Rigondiao and his people. I did a great, great article. I took my time with it, you know, 3,000 words or whatever the hell it was. Um, it was either two or 3,000. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then last second, I had to change it, made all these changes. You know, we had to do all this rearranging. And then you guys got to think when you're when you're changing the editing of a magazine, it's not just words with the articles. You're changing photos. There's photo credits. There's all this stuff that goes in, right? The graphics and all that changes. Sometimes it can change the next few pages of the magazine if it goes over. What as it was, the the read the edit that I put in was a couple hundred words less. So it did change a little bit of the formatting of the magazine. Uh, but if if we end up getting the original fight, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> like all the craziness you have to go through. 
Such is the life. Luke says, uh, don't ever take on a man's woman. Hell yeah, especially Rachel Donaire, man. She's, she's a badass. She can handle her own. And by the way, I think she's the manager of the year so far in all of boxing. Um, even with one cell, Tank is a pay-per-view fighter. Yep. Yep, if you talk to certain people on Twitter. Um, even Inouye called out Casimero for drug testing. Yeah, dude, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good on their end. And being in the clean boxing program really don't mean shit. I'm about to get into that, guys. I just want to hit up your comments. Nigel in the house. What's up, Nigel? He says, uh, how you doing, Mike? Big respect for the UK. Hey, man, I appreciate you watching, bro. I ain't seen you on the chat in a while. And we got Steve from the UK. What's up, Mike? What's up, Steve? So we got the UK checking in. Of course, Chris is over in the UK. Sign me up for Inouye and Donaire Part 2, Monster vs. Legend. Hell fucking yeah. I actually think the second fight will be better than the first fight. Seriously, if those two did a rematch this year. Miriam says, at least you have a pretty solid draft written up if the fight does go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the magazine's already in print. So what you guys are going to get in the next issue is going to be uh, Donaire Casimero. And, you know, there's going to be people out there, oh, you printed the wrong story. Well, yeah, it's not our fault, man. This shit kept changing. Uh, Twal says, Casimero versus 55-year-old Rigo is not a bad fight. Rigo will likely take another L. I, I talked about, in, the, in my original story, I talked about the fact that three, four years ago, that would have been a completely one-sided fight. People would have been like, I don't want to see this shit. That's a mismatch. But because Rigondiao is 800 years old right now, uh, and he has slowed down a bit, that's an interesting fight at this stage in their two their careers. That's kind of how I set up my article, my original article. Um, so yeah, anyway, let's get into this uh, clean boxing program stuff, guys, because and again, I, I'm bringing this up for those of you just getting on. I'm bringing this up because um, it, it became relevant this week. A, a lot of people, there, there was a back and forth between Rachel Donaire and Sean Gibbons and people from Donaire's camp and people from Casimero's camp. It wasn't just those two people. It was, it was other people. And they were going back and forth over uh, drug testing. And Victor Conti got in the mix. The Donaires are, are close with Victor Conti. And um, so... There is a big, big difference between the WBC clean boxing program and the, the VADA's full testing program, all right? And I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but I, I really want to explain the clean boxing program to you guys and in, in, in how it's flawed. And I don't blame the WBC. Before I go any further with this, I want to give the WBC tremendous credit because they're spending about $150,000 a year on this program. Those, a lot of you guys probably are not aware of the budget, but the last time I talked to the people involved, it was about 13,000 a month, 13,000 US dollars. So about 150,000 a year. That's a significant amount of money. That, that's more than any fighter is spending on drug testing that, you know, so they do deserve credit. No other sanctioning organization is spending what they need to or, or anything, but the clean boxing program's budget should be well over a million dollars. And I'm going to break that all down in just a minute here, okay? First thing I get to a super chat from Trent. Trent, we ain't seen you out in a while, my brother. Thank you so much, man. He says, uh, keep going hard in the gym. Your podcast gets me through my workouts, training at City Athletic Boxing Club, home of Caleb Plant. Hell yeah. I see Tiafimo in there all the time too, not since his COVID testo. Yeah, man, Tio's not doing good with the COVID. Uh, I, I'm telling you guys, that fight is not happening till quarter four. Lopez and Cambosos, he is not doing very well. Um, he, he's not in danger of dying or anything like that, but he's struggling with it more than other fighters I know. Jamel Herring got it, and dude was working out a day or two later. He's a beast, though. Jamel is just a, just a monster. But, um, you know, Tio's got asthma, man, and, and, you know, respiratory, and that's right where COVID goes. So, um, but City Athletic Boxing Club, that is in Nashville, right? Trent, correct me if I am incorrect. But uh, Oh, no, you're talking uh, City Athletic Boxing Club. Yeah, is that Nashville? Because I know Caleb's originally from that area. Or is that in Vegas? Because that's where Caleb lives now. Correct me uh, if, if I'm wrong on that, because uh, I'm curious. Because I'm actually going to be in Nashville for like a weekend later this month. So um, if you're in that area, we can, uh, we can say hi. 
Um, let's see here. Oh, is this Nacho? Nacho, what's up, man? He says, Mike, I was on Twitter with Memo Heredia, and he denied the donor's claims. But once I asked him if Casimero was going to sue her for her claims against them not being in Vada, he went silent. Me and Memo have had our back and forth. I'm not going to say anything right here. Uh, but look, man, there's a track record. That's all I'm going to say. And, and, and for the record, and Victor Conti will tell you this, Victor Conti has a track record. The difference is in recent years, Victor Conti has tried to make up for his past sins and been one of the uh, leading voices in the anti-doping movement in boxing. So, um, yeah. Chris Bergen, Herring got that Marine spirit, though. Hell yeah. And there, there's an example of a guy that's clean, 100%. I know Jamel's clean. Uh, there's certain fighters, uh, Bud Crawford, clean fighter, Sean Porter, clean fighter. There's several guys I can point to, uh, Gennady Golovkin, clean fighter. These dudes are 100% all natural, clean. They live the lifestyle in between fights. They just 24-7. Bernard Hopkins, always a clean fighter. There's a million guys I could talk about. So when it comes to drug testing, there's a lot of you guys out there that say, um, you know, well, who gives a shit if uh, these guys are juicing? Who cares? They're all juicing anyway. Well, no, they're not, number one. Number two, this ain't basketball. This ain't baseball. This ain't football. I'm talking soccer football, right? This is serious shit, man. People die in this sport. So this stuff, it, it matters. All right, Trent, so that gym's out in Vegas. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. Trent says, uh, I was born in Nashville, though. Grew up in Louisville. I guess in Louisville, Kentucky? That's Kentucky, right? Nico Lee Wash looks great. Transit City Boxing 2 out here in Vegas. Nice right hand. You know, I, need, I haven't been to Vegas in a minute, and I haven't trained in Vegas in years. Need to do that this year. All right. WBC Clean Boxing Program. First of all, let's. I want to just talk basic numbers with you guys. Okay, I'm going to share my screen here, and I'm going to. Let's see. Uh, my Google calculator. You like that? Here, let me adjust this. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we'll do this. <laughs> Google getting a free advertisement here in my. Show. Uh, we're using a Google platform, so all right. Um, the reason why I brought this calculator up, I want I want to break this down for you guys. Okay, hopefully I don't uh, mistype anything. But WBC Clean Boxing Program, the top fifteen fighters in each division are enrolled. Right. It's part of being ranked with the WBC. Cool. 15 fighters per division. How many divisions? Well, there's 17 divisions of pro boxing, but the WBC recognizes 18 because they have bridger weight, right? So that's 270 boxers enrolled any given month in WBC's clean boxing program. But there's also female fighters. The top five female fighters in each division are ranked. So I ain't even going to do that math, but we're just going to put it at 300, even though it's way over, it's like 350 some odd fighters are in the program. Okay. But we're going to, we're going to be conservative here. We're going to say 300 fighters, even though it's, it's well over that. So every month there are 300 fighters ranked, or I'm sorry, enrolled in the WBC clean boxing program, male, female. Now to conduct a test. Okay. To conduct, let's say just a, a urine test. A couple hundred dollars, let's say. Now, that, that's a conservative figure, too, because these prices can vary depending on jurisdiction and a few other things. I won't get into the, the, the nitty-gritty of all that. We're going to round low and say $200, okay? Um, but here's the thing that you guys don't consider when it comes to, let's say, if VADA simply collecting a urine sample and then testing it. There's a process involved. First of all, you have to hire a, an accredited official, a licensed official from an accredited lab to go out and collect the sample. You can't just say, hey, you know, this, hey, I'm a fighter and my cousin's going to collect my urine sample and send it in. No, 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 no. They have to send an official there, okay, somebody that is licensed that they can trust that is a professional to go to the gym or wherever it is to collect the sample, right? That's a, there's a process involved in that. You guys got to remember, Yes, mo most of the fights are happening in, in the United States or the UK, whatever it is. But these fighters are from, we, well, okay, this weekend we have a fight, a fight between a guy from America and a guy from Mongolia. So let's use Nyambar as an example. 
maybe right now he's training in the United States. At least, you know, the last part of his camp was in the USA. But in between fights, he's going back to Mongolia, right? He's he's ranked in the top 15, so he'd be eligible to be enrolled in the program. If you're going to go collect a sample from him out in Mongolia, there's no VADA officials in Mongolia, right? So they're not sending people that necessarily are with VADA, but they're sending people that are with um, partnered, let's say, labs, okay? There, there's a couple that they trust. I think there's... Um, there's a couple in Europe. There's one in the United States. There, there might be one in Canada. Don't quote me on this stuff. There might be one in Asia. But they have different locations where they, they will hire somebody. They'll contract them out to go collect the sample. You got to pay for this person's travel, their lodging, their food, right? They got to go find the fighter, the athlete, collect a sample. That's more expensive than the damn test, right? But you guys are also forgetting something else. Let's say you're in Russia collecting a sample from uh, Dmitry Bivol, okay? That sample has to get from Russia to the lab in Switzerland or wherever it is. I can't, off the top of my head, I just can't remember, okay? But so, so there's a process there. It's called the chain of custody because you have to validate that it's not that sample isn't getting into the wrong hands, do you trust the Russian mail? <laughs> so you've got to make sure you've got to pay that extra money to have things signed off on every step of the way from the sample collection site to the lab where it is processed. So that chain of custody, that costs money. So sending someone out to collect the sample, then getting the sample safely and securely to the lab to be tested, that costs tons more than processing the actual test itself. Okay. Now remember clean boxing program with WBC is supposed to be year round in competition or out of competition. So once again, you're traveling to Kazakhstan, Japan, Nigeria, Argentina, Germany, France, Egypt, India, you're going all over the world to collect these samples in theory, right? Guys, that's thousands upon thousands of dollars. But for the sake of this example I'm bringing up, we're not even going to include that. We'll just include the $200 or so that it costs to process a urine test. I'm not even going to include blood tests because that's a lot more money. Blood tests cost more to get the sample, number one, because it's there's more involved medically, right? Obviously. Needles are involved and such. So there's a process there. And, but also the test itself is a little more heavy. There's a little more going on. And I'm not going to get into all the specifics there, but it's just more expensive to do blood uh, uh, testing. So the overwhelming majority of the tests performed for WBC's clean boxing program are urine tests. This was told to me by VADA officials because they only have about $13,000 a month to work with, $150,000 a year. So they try to stretch that as far as they can. It's, it's cheaper to do the urine test. Here's the thing, though. It's also easier to beat, okay? But I just want to, again, I'm going to do math here. If we go, uh, let me see, let me reset this. If we go $150,000 a year, okay, is the budget, and then we divide, uh, where's divide? Divide by the three, the $200 which obviously that's not, again, these tests, by the time you factor in everything else I said, it costs several times more than this, but I'm going to be lenient and conservative here. That's 750 tests, which they're maybe doing one third of that, but I'm sticking with this example, 750 tests for 350 some odd fighters. That means two tests per fighter per year, right? So that's not happening, but let's say 150,000, divided by really what we're getting probably about a thousand bucks per test when you factor in all the intangibles. Oh, 150 tests for 300 and some odd fighters in a, in a year. You got to think guys, month to month, some fighters are dropping out. New fighters are coming in as fighters win and lose. You're probably dealing with 400 plus fighters in a year. Maybe you're getting 200 tests. That's the reality of the clean boxing program, just in terms of numbers. So I wanted to show that to you guys because it puts into perspective how few times fighters enrolled in CBP are actually even being tested. The overwhelming majority, and I'm talking 90 plus percent, this is a fact, you can quote me, you can go ahead and source this, 
Over 90% of the fighters enrolled in the WBC's clean boxing program go more than a calendar year without ever being tested. That's a fact. So when people on boxing Twitter, YouTube, whatever it is, use the clean boxing program to say we're in VADA, they're kind of hiding behind that. Okay, they're kind of hiding behind that because it's not the same thing as doing the full VADA program for two or three months before a fight. Well, you're being tested several times a week, blood and urine. Some days, multiple samples are being collected the same day. Sometimes they'll come and collect urine first thing in the morning when you hit the gym and then at the end of the night, right before you go to bed. And that makes a huge difference in the uh, with the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the concentration of the sample. Okay. That makes a massive difference. So sticking with CBP though, I want to show you guys something. Um, whereabouts forms. This is something that a lot of you guys haven't seen. So let me show you real quick. I'm going to show you here. I'm going to share my screen. Uh, where is it? I oh, know this. Okay. Let's sit, I'll show you this really quick. Okay. This is WADA's prohibited list. Now WADA is the world anti-doping agency, right? They set the protocols for all the anti-doping agencies to follow. So whether it's USADA, UCAD, VADA, whoever it is, they have to go by this prohibited list. And this is this document's like 20-something pages, right? You'd hope it'd be simple and be one page, but of course they can't do that. Here's the thing that WADA does. They have certain substances that are banned at all times, whether you're in competition or out of competition, as you can see here on my screen. If I scroll down enough, though, you get to a, where is it at? That list is pretty big. Yeah. Okay. Now we get to a list. These are prohibited in competition, meaning uh, you're in training for a fight, if we're sticking with boxing here. So you cannot take these drugs or consume these substances while you are in competition, right? But there are some that you can actually use out of competition which is kind of weird when you think about it, right? And then there's certain there's certain substances they don't want you to use for particular sports that you get here. So some of these testing groups actually uh, use in competition and out of competition lists for what they're testing for. VADA is the only one that I know of that always tests for all prohibited substances, whether you're in competition or out of competition. That's what separates them from the USADAs, the UCADs, groups like that. There's certain nose sprays and stuff like that. Hint, hint, if you guys can probably guess who I'm talking about, that you can use out of competition. But then in competition, you can't use. Well, VADA's going to get you even if you're using that out of competition. You see what I'm saying? So that, that's just one of the reasons why I trust Vada more than all these other groups, but there's several reasons more. I can get into all, I could talk for hours about this stuff. Another super chat pledge from Trent. Thank you, Trent. He says, I wonder if Best Butin would have beat Buteyev had he not been on performance enhancing drugs. Buteyev been looking great since the loss over on PBC destroying welterweights. Interesting, interesting question. Yeah, man. Um, good stuff. This stuff matters, guys. Luke says Thomas Hauser had great articles about PEDs and boxing. Yes, uh, Thomas is one of the guys I've kind of followed his lead with some of this stuff. I wrote a piece in Ring last year um, called Time to Wake Up, Time to Look in the Mirror. It was a, a very it, it, a big piece, and it was probably about 10 pages in the magazine. It might It's probably the biggest piece I've done so far for Ring. And if you guys would like, I mean, maybe I could – go find that magazine and actually show it to you, show you the pages and stuff. But I talked, Thomas Hauser, you know, he's one of the guys that like reached out to me after seeing that, seeing um, the red herring article I wrote about Canelo and Clembuterol and other ones. And he was just like, basically, I'll, I'll paraphrase, but hey man, I see you. You're doing good work. Keep this shit up. He didn't say it like that. But that was kind of cool to hear from Thomas on this, you know. Um, but yeah, one of the guys that I talked to, about this stuff and several others, you know, um, I've talked to a lot of people about this stuff. I'm by no means an expert, but I've spoken with many experts on it. Now, okay. Back to uh, testing. Let, let, I just want to show you guys one other thing real quick. 
because this is something that a lot of you probably haven't seen. This is an actual athlete whereabouts form. Um, oh, Trent says red herring article was awesome. Thank you, Trent. I appreciate that brother. So this form, everybody that's registered to do VADA testing, whether you're in clean boxing program or you've signed up to do VADA, the full program for your fight. And I'll, I'll get to the specifics on that in a minute. But you have to fill out this form, okay? So this is the whereabouts form. Uh, you will notice, though, on this form, so this you have to put your residence, right? This is where you're at. This is where you live. So again, using Nyambar as an example, residence might be in Mongolia. So when he's out of competition, this is where he's at. When he's in competition, you see here athletes' regular schedule, primary training location, daily 60-minute window of availability for sample collection. This is an important one, okay? If you are a fighter from Mongolia, your residence might be here, right? Mongolia. Your regular schedule, the facility, the gym that you train at, maybe your camp is in Las Vegas. So. You have to make VADA officials aware of when you're leaving Mongolia, going to Las Vegas. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to let them know beforehand. Also, you're supposed to provide a 60-minute window every day of the week where you're always available for sample collection. Here's the thing about this, okay? If you're in clean boxing program, okay, to, to rig a urine test isn't that hard. It really, really isn't. If you're microdosing, if you're if you're uh, coming down off something, if you're staging down, um, you can time it. But there's also ways to dilute your urine, man. So so if your sample collection, let's say, if I if I was doping, knowing that I got some stuff in my system that's going to show up in my urine, I'm not putting my availability for sample collection in the morning, because when you wake up in the morning, your urine is concentrated. Take a piss tomorrow morning, guys, and look at it. You'll notice it's a darker color. You go to the gym and you drink a gallon of water, it's pretty much clear. What you're pissing is clear because you've, you've um, diluted your urine, right? It is harder to detect things with these tests in diluted urine. So, so if I'm doping and I need all day to dilute my shit, I'm just going to put some PM hour for when I can provide a sample. Now, if you're doing the full VADA program, they're going to collect blood too. Blood test is much harder to get around. There are ways to get around it, of course. But urine test, elementary level math, when it comes to half-lifing and stuff, you can be the urine test. But simply diluting your urine will work most of the time. How many times can I say the word urine in this fucking video, right? But seriously, guys... So if you put your availability from 10 to 11 p.m. and you drink three gallons of water that day, you're good. That's it. Also, if you're in a clean boxing program, and let's use Nyambar as an example. And I only use him as an example because he's a guy that lives outside the U.S. In no way am I suggesting anything, okay, with him. I'm just saying, if somebody from Mongolia, and I'm not picking on people from Mongolia, okay, I'm just using this as an example. Uh, if that's your residence and you have that on this form and a, a sample collector wants to come and get a sample from you, maybe you're not in Mongolia. Maybe you've already went to Vegas to start training. You need a few extra days to half-life off of something. So when that official calls you, hey, we want to come to Mongolia Tuesday and collect a sample. You know, we have your address here. Is this still current? Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, I, I, I'm I'm already heading to Vegas. Here's the, here's the new address where I'm going to be for this camp. Oh, well, the, the address, or you can, you can change the gym uh, location, right? You, you, maybe the, the, the form on the, the, on the whereabouts form, it's the last gym that you trained at. But now, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm using, I'm with the strength and conditioning coach now. So, so a sample collector might go to a different gym. They might go to a different city than you're even in. So there's ways to give yourself a little more time by, oh, I forgot to send in that whereabouts form. Here you go. So sorry. I know you guys have my whereabouts form on file. I just forgot to give you this new one. We changed gyms. We were training at this boxing gym. Now I'm training with this strength and conditioning coach for a few weeks before I go back to the boxing gym. You see what I'm saying here, guys? There's ways to give yourself a buffer, whether it's a few hours, maybe even a few days, depending on the situation 
with these forms. Also, you're giving you're by filling this part out here, this uh 60 minute window of availability, you're essentially you know what hour they're gonna show up, right? So if you know that between 10 and 11 p.m., that's when a sample, a person might come in to get a sample from you, you take precautions. And there's ways you can do math, elementary level math, to make sure you're going to be okay for when that sample is collected. But if you're a fighter in the clean boxing program, maybe once a year, maybe once a year, they're coming around to take a couple samples as you train for a fight because you have a fight coming up. If you're out of competition, they ain't coming around. They're not sending officials. They have 13000 a month. Think of how much it would cost to send somebody from a lab in Europe to Kazakhstan to collect a urine sample and to ship that urine sample back to the lab. That's probably almost your $13,000 budget for the month. You think they're going to do that for someone who's out of competition? Fuck no. So I don't want to say the clean boxing program is a joke. Oh, by the way, this is the second page of the form where you can put exceptions to your regular schedule. So if you do have something going on, hey, these are other places, I go pick up my daughter from soccer practice, but you put that here on the second page, okay? So that's, a lot of you guys haven't seen that form before, I wanted to show it to you. But there's a million ways, if you start just thinking about this, you can be creative and you can get around this program. So while I give the WBC credit, okay, I give them credit, for doing the program, for spending some money. It's grossly underfunded. I talked to Margaret Goodman as part of that piece. I'm just looking at some notes here on my other screen. And um, I, I talked to her, I think it was last year for that piece. It might've been two years ago for that piece I did for Ring. And she said that the budget needs to be at least a million dollars. It needs to, it, right now it's a buck 50. It needs to be at least a million dollars. So, you know, put that into perspective, guys. So if somebody's in the, the WBC clean boxing program, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a clean fighter. And there's so many ways to get around the testing there and give yourself ample time. You know you're not going to get a blood test because they can't afford it. You know you're not going to be tested out of competition. They can't afford it. So if you have a fight coming up, make sure you're half-lifing the right way and you're diluting the fuck out of your urine. That's all you really got to do. And you can get by the WBC's clean boxing program. That's it. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. Uh, let's see. I talked to Mauricio Suleiman about the program too. And to his credit, he's trying to get sponsorships. He's trying to get sponsors involved to help raise funds to increase the budget. So he recognizes that the budget needs to be more. And he's looking at doing that through sponsorships. I will say this. Uh, I, I've been asked a million times, how can we improve the WBC clean boxing program? Well, for starters, stop testing the top 15 ranked fighters in each division. Right now, you can't afford it. You know who I would test right now? Champions. That's who I would test. That's it. Champions. There's 18 champions with the WBC. If you include all their interim titles and whatever, and then the female champions, maybe you're dealing with 50 athletes. 50 as opposed to 350. That's who I would be testing. If you have a WBC title, you're in the clean boxing program, right? The truth of the matter is, guys, I'm going to go back to this calculator. One more time. I just want to do a little more math with you guys. If each test costs $500, and again, we're being generous here, and we are saying that there's, what, 350 fighters in the current program? That If you tested everybody once, that's your budget, right? 175 grand. But you should really be testing them once a week, at least. We'll give them two weeks off, so we'll say 50. Now your budget is almost $9 million, $8.75 million. And that's just to test everybody in the clean boxing program once a week. The reality is you should be testing them a couple times a week. But that, that's your budget, almost $9 million. Just to put into perspective what we really need to be doing this the right way. If you change that to just the champions, maybe it's about 50 fighters a year. They could limit that number if they stop giving out so many fucking interim whatever belts, diamond belts, and just do one champ per division. But since they're not going to do that, 50 fighters, okay? Then you test them. I'll go back to the calculator. I lied. 
You know, I'll, I'll have to show you guys. I'll just do the math real quick because you guys are sick of watching me type. So 50 fighters times, I said, what, 500 bucks per test times one test a week. Now your budget's 1.25 million. Much more workable budget, right? So I think if you change the WBC clean boxing program to just test champions, that would be huge. That would be a great place to start. All right. Also, another thing to raise funds, how about 1% of the purse for every WBC title bout goes into the pot for this program? Fighters are already paying sanctioning fees, right? What's 1% more, especially if it's going toward this? So to give you guys an example, Wilder and Fury are about to get what, $50 million or $40 million? Let's say $50 million. I don't think it's quite that much, but let's just say $50 million bucks. 1% of that is what, half a million dollars? Half a million, yeah, right? 500,000, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right there you go. That 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 one fight, 1% of that fight purse would is what, four, three, four times the annual budget of the clean boxing program already? So if you took 1% of the, the sanctioning fees, 1% of the, the purse of every single WBC title fight and you put that into the pot, there's your budget. You don't need sponsorships. You don't need anything else. That's it. 1%. The fighters will chip in 1%. And maybe under a certain amount, you know, if it's under $100,000, you don't do it. But any any title fight over $100,000, 1%, boom, there's your budget. Those two things, only testing champions, 1% of fight purses budgeting the program, boom, fixes not everything. But it's a vast improvement. And let me tell you guys this. The bigger issue here, the bigger issue here is weight checks. Now, the WBC, again, I give them credit. They're the only sanctioned organization doing this. But they currently do 30, 14, and 7-day weight checks for title fights, right? I say fuck that. I say expand it to every top 10 ranked fighter for every month. Every month, a fighter has to submit a photo of them on a digital scale weighing in, and they have to be within a, let's see, what's the note that I put? 12% threshold of the division they are ranked in. Now, where did I get this 12% number? I got it from talking to several experts, okay? Where they think a fighter should be. If you want to say 15% leniency, fine, but I think every fighter that's ranked should weigh in every month, once a month, and submit it to the WBC. So it, it, it within a 12% threshold to where if you are a middleweight, that's 160 pounds, 12% is 179 point something, almost 180 pounds. That's as much as you can weigh in or out of competition. If you come in weighing 181, boom, you're unranked from the middleweight division. That's it. You're unranked. Weight is the bigger issue here, more than muscle. This isn't the 80s. Guys aren't using steroids to bulk up with muscle. Some heavyweights do. But outside of that, most people using dope right now, most dopers in boxing, they're doing it to cut weight. They're doing it to aid and assist in, in recovery, but they're also doing it to cut weight. Weight's the biggest issue, the weight bully thing. They're never going to change weigh-ins to the day of the fight again. Not happening. There's too much business involved with weigh-ins now. They'll always be the day before, guys. You got to give up the dream that it's ever going to be the same day. It won't. So what you can do is you can institute a year-round weight check program. So these weight bullies that walk around weighing 210 pounds and get down to 160 somehow, gee, I wonder how they're doing that, especially within you know two or three months they're doing this shit. It's insane. Those guys should not be ranked in the division. If you can't maintain a 12 to 15% threshold of the division you're rated in year-round, you're not in that damn division. Boom. That would solve a lot of problems. Most of the deaths in boxing are actually related to dehydration and weight cutting. That's the biggest issue in boxing right now. It's also a huge issue in MMA. They have more of a steroid issue over there, though, than boxing, but still, uh, weight cutting is a big thing over there too. Big, big deal in wrestling, right? And most of those guys in that world come from a wrestling background. Um, that is where, uh, you know, a lot of weight cutting issues. So I see, uh, let's see, Mike Laser in the chat says, uh, never going to happen, Mike. Well, look, I I've shared my ideas with several people. One state athletic commission uh, president, 
uh, did listen to my ideas and said he was going to bring it to the board. I don't know what ever happened with that, but at least one of them listened to me. One of them. But let's see. What other notes do I have um, that I wanted to bring up about this before I get into some other stuff? I showed you guys the whereabouts form. I showed you the prohibited list. The reason why I showed you guys those things is so you know that they're out there. The, the, the information's out there. You can find it, right? Um, so if you guys are curious about those links and you want to look over those forms a little more, uh, shoot me a DM or whatever, and I'll show you. But it's not hard to find that stuff. Um, let's see, where else? I told you guys about the whereabouts form. It's easy to step around that stuff. Okay, let's get into the differences between commission testing, clean boxing program, and the full VADA program, because there's a lot of confusion about this, all right? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I see. Uh, this is a good comment right here uh, from Hawker Mustang. He says, right now we have weaponized drug testing, Luke. Yeah, in, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And again, all this is relevant because of the donors kind of sticking it to Team uh, John Rael Casimero for not being in the full VADA program. And whether they were just ignorant about the things I'm saying or they were knowingly trying to mislead people, I can't say. I really can't say. I have no justification or th- where I could say either way on that. But publicly, they were made to look really, really bad here. Okay. So let's start with regular commission testing. State commission testing is a joke. It may as well not even be done. Nobody fails state commission testing anymore. Fighters used to back in the day in the 70s and 80s, but the science of doping has gotten so good. Okay. And the, the math of it and the guys understand it so well now, you could just look this shit up on YouTube, how to, how to, how to use steroids and cheat a, a test. There's videos of it. There's, there's books you can buy on this shit, right? So state commission tests. I showed you guys the WADA prohibited list. It doesn't test for one-tenth, well, maybe one-tenth. I was going to say it doesn't test for one-tenth of the banned uh, prohibited substances listed there, but it might be more than a tenth. They test for a couple dozen, I want to say, all right? But they're not sophisticated enough to test for the 100-plus banned prohibited substances that VADA tests for. To test for all those things, it costs more money. It's more involved. So commission testing is very cheap. I think it's, you know, it's not even a hundred dollars a test for what they're spending. I want to say it's 50 bucks. It's something crazy. They send it off to a local hospital. So in LA, I think the, um, the fights there, they were sending it off to UCLA. I'm pretty sure. Okay. The last workshop I went to, it was probably going back five years or something, but they told us then that's where they were sending off those samples. They, and they had, you know, all the, they had a bucket full of the little plastic, to, it kind of looks like half of my uh, water cup here. You know, it's like that. I actually have some because I took I took a couple. They were not used, guys. Don't make a joke there. But actually, I just you know just to use as an example in videos and stuff. So actually, I might have a couple of them laying around somewhere. But um, you know, and they're sealed and everything. But they're cheap, right? It's costing them you know five bucks for this little thing, and they send it off to a lab, and they send a ton of them at once. It's a bulk deal. They're very very cheap. But it tests for a handful of banned substances, including stuff like marijuana, which isn't even a performance enhancer. Okay. But so, so commission, state commission testing is a joke. Why do I bring this up? Because that's what Pacquiao and Spence are doing right now. But Mike, I saw people on Twitter saying Pacquiao and Spence are doing VADA testing. How does this work? Here's what they're doing. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out. I don't give a shit because people, you know, they don't like me anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. No one else in media will talk about this. They are doing commission, state commission testing, but they're having VADA, they're hiring, they're contracting VADA officials to administer the testing. All right. There's one certain particular promotional platform that's doing this right now. I'll let you guys do the math there. Several recent pay per view events in Nevada. Specifically, they were doing this where VADA officials were hired to administer this, the state commission testing. So they're spinning it 
the promotion, people attached to the promotion. The, the promotion isn't officially saying it on their social, but people attached to the promotion are saying, this is a VADA-tested fight. VADA is handling the testing. Well, that's true, but not necessarily true. It's a half-truth. VADA officers are administering the testing and the adjudication process if something's discovered. But it's not the full VADA program. It's not the full VADA panel. They're not testing for the, the full list set by WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, on that prohibited list that I showed you guys, which, by the way, they update every year, sometimes several times during the year, depending on what's going on. And they, they update thresholds. The clembuterol threshold was recently updated by WADA, right? So actually, what Canelo Alvarez tested positive for a few years back, he wouldn't even be, that wouldn't be a positive test right now because WADA taking into consideration contaminated meat and stuff like that changed the thresholds of uh, allowable thresholds of clenbuterol in the system. So VADA follows that, right? But they test for the full panel. State commission testing, eh, a couple dozen things. So it doesn't matter who's administering the testing. What matters is what's being tested. Commission testing is just a urine test. You piss in a little cup and you're testing for shit like pot. It's literally the same test dudes in the 80s were doing. Literally the same technology, okay? It's barely updated. The lab technology is better now, of course, but I'm saying the panel, what they're testing for, pretty much the same shit dudes in the 90s were testing for, right? It's not the full VADA program. So you have to... and, I, and I, it sucks that it has to be this convoluted. It sucks that people use these things as a way to manipulate and spin things. But this is why you guys come to people like me. This is why people like me are never going to have a network job in this sport. But, you know, fuck it. <laughs> I like telling the truth. That's what's going on. All right. So there's a major difference. Now, when Mikey Garcia fought Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia was working with Snack and Victor Conti, and Victor said, hey, look, I used to be into this dope and shit. I know how it's being done. Don't fight this dude without full vada. So it was actually Mikey Garcia, through folks at Snack, pushing him to, who demanded the full vada program for his fight with Errol Spence. So they did the full vada program for that fight, right? And that's the fight you guys remember. It was in Dallas, went to distance, whole nine. Okay, Spence, to my knowledge, has not done the full VADA program since. He never did it before. In fact, when I interviewed him once for a piece I did for Boxing Monthly Magazine, he said, I ain't paying for that shit. That's basically the way he responded to my question. If someone else wants to pay for it, I'll do it. That was his response, which a lot of fighters would say that, right? But Mikey Garcia demanded it for their fight. Right now, you have a situation with Pacquiao and Spence where neither guy is demanding the full VADA program. They're both cool with standard commission, state commission testing. It's all good. So the spinsters in the media and in the YouTubers and all this kind of stuff are, are saying this is a VADA-tested fight. It's not, guys. It's not the same thing, okay? So when you hear me on my show talk about full VADA versus state commission testing, that's the difference, okay? It doesn't matter who's administering the testing. It matters what the panel is. Are you testing for 30 banned substances or 150? That's the big difference because the sophisticated dopers, guys, this, again, the shit that the, the state, when is the last time any fighter, think in your mind, seriously, failed a state commission test? I'll wait. You got to go back fucking decades. Seriously. It doesn't happen. The guys that fail tests, it's through the full VADA program. Sometimes, you solder a UCAD and they'll fuck it up. They'll sell it for a TUE or whatever. It, they're, they're compromised, both of those programs. But with VADA, when they get people, it's when they're testing for the full program. Sometimes through clean boxing program, maybe a couple times through. But the biggest issue with clean boxing program is people that won't give their whereabouts forms. That's the biggest issue they have over there. Because the word is out, hey, man, just tell them that you're in this place when you're really in that place. So they have to follow you and you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, let's see. I'm looking at my notes here, everything I wanted to include on this video for you guys. 
Um, I think that's it. So, so that's, so that's the difference. Okay. Um, hopefully that makes some sense. And, and it, for some of you, you're, you're not going to give a shit. It, it's like for some of you out there, like the regular WBA title versus the super title, the interim, the gold, none of that shit matters. You, you're just, you know, there are people out there. I'm seeing more and more and more tweets saying Gervonta Davis should be on the pound for pound list, which is insane. He hasn't done enough. I've talked about this, but people in the Gervonta Davis camp, not all, but some are using those regular titles as a means to promote him as a three division world champion. And if you don't consider him a pound for pound fighter, you're a hater and you're going to be blackballed from covering his fights. You guys saw what happened this week with Deontay Wilder. Chris Colbert did an interview on a YouTube channel uh, and he just gave some opinions about Deontay Wilder and said, I don't think Tyson Fury cheated, you know, um, I'm paraphrasing here. And um, I think that, uh, you know, Wilder's making excuses basically is what he said. And the person that posted that video was forced to take it down. It was removed. They were harassed. They were attacked and had to remove that, that uh, video. It's crazy, right? There's a lot of spin going on in the media guys. And some, all promoters are full of shit, right? All promoters are full of shit. All the networks are basically promoters now, but there's one particular platform where you're seeing this much more commonly than in other platforms. And again, you guys can do the math. Just look at recent examples. It's all out there for you guys. The examples are there. Seriously. So clean boxing program. I appreciate the effort by the WBC, but even Mauricio Suleiman admits they're grossly underfunded. And right now, if you're a fighter who you're in the program, you're ranked eighth in a division, you fight twice a year, out of competition, you move far, far away from the United States, you ain't got shit to worry about if you're in that program. Even if you're a champion who spends eight months out of the year in another country, you ain't got much to worry about if you're in that program. The only program that means anything in this sport right now is Vada's full program. And if you guys want to know who's actually doing that, go to their Twitter page. That's all you got to do. Here, I'm going to go there now. I'm going to pull it up because I want to give you guys an example of what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm with the visual aids today. Um, let's see here. I want to find an example. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen once again because I love sharing my screen today. <laughs> okay. You guys can see here. I'm just on Vada's Twitter. You guys should be following them if you care about this. But see this tweet right here. It's from June 24th. Congratulations to Shakur Stevenson and Jeremiah Nakathelia for successfully completing Vada testing through their June. Okay, this is what Vada will do. They do one before and one after the completion of the full Vada program. They tweet out the results, right? So this is how you know who's doing this. Let's see. I'll find another recent example. Congrats to Devin Haney and Jorge Linares. I usually always retweet these. This one must have flew under the radar for me. So let me go ahead and tweet that out, even though it's a week old. But right here, congratulations to Haney and Linares for completing the program. And I can keep going here. Congratulations to Derek Tresor and Joe Parker for completing the program. And on and on it goes. If you guys want to know, okay, now here, this is an important one. Vada welcomes Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder back to our program as they prepare for their upcoming Las Vegas fight. This is the before tweet, okay? So both Fury and Wilder are doing the full Vada program for this fight, for their third fight. Vada doesn't post this if you're just doing state commission testing. You don't see any notes here. Hey, thanks uh, or, congr or welcome to... Manny Pacquiao and Errol Spence for doing the VADA program. Why don't you see that here? You don't see any notes here about the clean boxing program. Why? Because those are not VADA programs. VADA might be administering the testing, but it's not their program. The only time VADA will tweet out 
whether it's a welcome tweet or a congratulations tweet is if it's fighters that are doing their program. And by the way, if you're doing this program, <clears throat> the fighters are paying for it. It's the voluntary anti-doping, right? So this, not only do these guys deserve credit for putting their money where their mouth is, they literally are putting their money where their mouth is. They're paying for this. All right. So you guys should be following this page right here. Follow Vada's social media. And then you'll know who's really doing the program and who's not. If you don't see the fighter's name there, they ain't doing the fucking program. Bottom line, Vada can't say too much publicly because there's a lot of legalities in this stuff. And part of the contract, let's say with Spence and Pacquiao is, hey, Vada, here's a contract, a subcontract of that fight contract for you. We're going to contract you to uh, administer <clears throat> the NSAC commission testing for this fight. But as such, you don't talk about it publicly, right? There's all that verbiage in the contract. Unless there's an adverse finding, then they have to disclose that to everybody involved. Fine. But outside of that, you stay silent about it. You let us do the talking. That's part of this agreement. And Vada signs on to that agreement. That's how this works. So that's why you're not seeing tweets from Vada about state commission testing. Why would they? It's not their test. It's not their panel. They're just the people doing the tests. That would be like trying to think of an example for you guys. If, um, I don't know, if, if you're using somebody's product, right? Is that your product? No, you're using their product to, if you're using someone's paintbrush to paint your house, do you tweet out a picture of the fucking paintbrush? You, you show it, you tweet out a picture of the painted house, right? That's a horrible analogy. I can't think of one right now, but I'm just saying it's not their panel. Why would they tweet about it? So anyway, not to beat a dead horse, but that's where you go. That's where you go to get the results. All right. <clears throat> all right. Huh. That was a mouthful. Now. Oh yeah. Anonymous says big up Mike. I think you should do a full Vada panel and prove you're all natural tiff too. I appreciate it, man. Uh, Bird says, Mike, you need to talk about Colbert and King Tug. All right. I'll talk about this for a second because I'm losing my voice. Chris Colbert, 15-06 knockouts out of Brooklyn, New York, 5'8", 71-inch reach, 24 years old. King Tug out of Mongolia, 29 years old, 5'7", 67-inch reach. So uh, Colbert, slightly taller, but definitely longer. Got the longer arms, younger. But, you know, when I look at experience, uh, he, he did beat Jazreel Corrales. I think that's a good win for him. Uh, his fight after that, yeah, but that Corrales one was good experience. He went uh, 12 rounds, dropped him in the 10th round of that fight. King Tug had a great 12-round fight with Gary Russell Jr., but Gary Russell Jr. is a tiny little dude, five foot three, super duper fast, but was punching up at him. Didn't have the power punching up at him to really hurt King Tug. Chris Colbert going to be punching right across at him, maybe even slightly down at him. I think that's going to make a difference here. I favor uh, Chris Colbert in this fight, and I favor him by decision. That's the way I see this. But I think there's going to be some good two-way action. Uh, King Tug's going to bring it. And by, by the way, props to him for taking this fight on late notice. Props to him. And props to Colbert for taking it. Uh, I like this fight a lot, man. Definitely going to be – well, of course I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be covering it for Ring. So uh, you guys will see my recap on ringtv.com. Look there Saturday night, early Sunday morning. You'll see it up there. And uh, that's that. That's pretty much the only big fight this weekend. <laughs> Luke says, what, Gary Russell Jr. ain't fighting? Hell nah. When was the last time that dude fought? Did he fight this year? I, I honestly can't remember. Fought last February. Nah, he ain't fought this year. He hasn't fought in almost a year and a half. That's Gary. Gurry. They list him at 5'4 and a half. Ha! He's 5'3". Uh, Larry Pint with a very good question. How expensive is the VADA testing program? Not that expensive. Not as expensive as you'd think. Um, I want to say, don't quote me on this, okay? I'm doing rough math in my head. It might be 20 grand or something like that for a fight, right? So so if, you're, if you sign up and you got a few months uh, for a fight, it might cost you 20 grand or something like that. USADA 
Here, here's why I always remember this example. Uh, when Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao fought, Manny Pacquiao's side wanted VADA testing. They had been doing VADA testing for a couple fights prior to, to Floyd's fight. They're actually doing the full VADA program for his fights with like uh, Timothy Bradley, I think, one or two of them, a couple of fights. Maybe the Algeri fight he did it. I can't remember exactly which fights. Brandon Rios, don't quote me, guys, but he was doing the full VADA program. And going into the Floyd fight, he wanted it, but Floyd demanded USADA. He said, I'll only, I will only work with USADA. Those are my dogs. I'm rolling with them. USADA cost over $100,000 to Floyd for that fight, over a hundred grand. Vada would have been about one-fifth of that. And it's better testing. But remember TUE, those things ain't cheap. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Did I trigger enough people today? Good. We're out of here. It's Friday. The weekend is here, guys. Enjoy yourself. Have a great weekend. I am out. No TNC Monday, but maybe we'll do a rant video or something next week. Either way, we'll do a show on Friday. All right? So I'll see you guys then. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you at the fights. Peace.